Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. So I just wanted to share some news with everybody, all of our, our listeners out there, um, just to let you know that the uh, the brand on the website is going to be changing soon. You may have noticed that in our uh, podcast, we refer to uh, the website as Frisbee Guru, and on the website, it actually says Haynesville. Well, Haynesville is an old name that we came up with a long time ago and it really encompasses learning to jam but the website has grown much much beyond that and so i think it's time to start changing the brand and uh, encompass everything that we represent so just a heads up that that's coming cool i think that's exciting it's like frisbee guru home of haynesville shooting frisbees and live streaming freestyle frisbee kind of cool yeah it's your one-stop shop for everything that you want to know about freestyle frisbee (laughs) <laughs> Love it. So, all right. Well, cool. So uh, today we're going to continue our conversation with Dougie Fresh, and this is sort of the post top 10, and then we do some reminiscing. So uh, should be fun. I hope you enjoy. Yes. Well, I know that there's some other, uh, like I say, Claudio Chigna. Yes. Uh, I was always, uh, you know, I didn't really play with him too much, but I got into a session with him and was really amazed at how how deep he could go. I was like, Whoa, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. So no, he's, he made his presence known in, in the meadow, um, a number of years ago and definitely left a firm, a firm imprint there. He's got the indigenous. He can just set the disc like one inch from his nail and leg goes over and he's got it back on his nail. Indigenous. It's, I don't think anybody else can quite do it that quickly. Yeah. I think Murphy's another one that like he plays like nobody else and he's just off the some chart. Also blast to jam with, also like just will jam you into the into the sand. Um so I think he's he's a great, great um player as well. So one of the players that I miss is uh, Matteo Gadoni. He- yes. He was he was a joy to watch. He definitely yep. had a beautiful style, but he was also a great uh, great person to have in the jam. He was feeding it, and he knew when to catch it, and uh, and a great really hat, cool. great hat, and and, and a great yeah. hat. I think that's another top ten list is the stop the top ten style icons in frisbee. Whoa! I can already think of my top one without even in question. That would be Clay Calera. Oh uh, yes. Good call. Dude, dude, Good wear, call. Do, dude wears uh, fake nails on every single finger. Ten. Yes. I think um, Cray used to wear a whole bunch of nails at some point. And I think Jeff Felberbaum, too, when they were doing shows together, they would. there was a whole bunch of nails going on. Thumbs, yeah, pinkies, the whole ball of wax. I think Jonathan Willett is one of my style idols, ah. for sure. Uh, yeah. I remember him wearing like neon socks at some point and just thinking, wow, that guy is, he's out there. <laughs> and you were correct. He is out there in yes. a really good way. Yes. Um, yeah. Bianca Strontz. Gina, Gina oh, won an FPA yeah. world's open title, right? 
with Mr. Sanchez. Yeah. She was the only yeah. woman to do that, I believe. Did her and Deaton also win open, or maybe that was mixed? It was mixed. So there's another player, Deaton, right there. He's still shredded. Oh, yeah. He's still shredded. And Carrasco is certainly, like, one of a kind. Yeah. That, that's just, you know, it's almost not really clear what he, how he's doing what he's doing or what exactly he's doing, but... You know, when you're doing like double thigh brushes and adding spin, it just has me somewhat confused. They cheat because they scrape up the end of the disc. It's not fair. Yeah. With a big, like, hunting knife. <laughs> big hunting knife. Uh, that's the way they do it down in the bayou. Yeah, you got you to gotta take care of the gator with a hunting knife, not a butter knife. There you go. It's almost like you could have a, a, a top ten of... You know, over forty, and then a top ten of under forty. Uh, yes, because yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's good. I love playing with um, Joel Rogers and Larry, running around with those guys, and just their the knowledge of the disc. It's so so great. There's something to be said about having forty years of yes. of skill making that just can't happen unless you do it. True that. Too bad we don't have the 20 and under. Yeah, we might have a top two. But I have hopes that that will change. We've been hearing of folks that we've been talking to about this pod in Rovereto, Italy, um, starting to go off the charts. Nice. I think they're, how old do you think they are, Jake? They got to be early 20s or not under 20, but. Yeah, I would guess early 20s. I don't know. Yeah. And who's their, who's their Pied Piper? Who's leading them along? I don't. I think they have a pie. I think it's the internet. Yeah, that's what it seems like. On all their videos, it's just three new players. Two or three new players. Wow. I think there's five of them in total, and there's like three that are like really amazing, and the other two are, are very competent. But they're, it's like that thing of like they, they're lucky that they have this pod to each grow with each other. So they're not like isolated as one person. And, right. You know, right. They're, they're able to feed off of each other. Yeah. Sky Comish. Snow Homish. S N O H O M I S H. Let's go. Woo. There you go. Does that have some sort of history for you, Andy? Do what? Does that have some sort of history for you? Is that like your yes. high school or something? Yes. Well, that's the high school that I didn't attend. Oh. That I, I dropped out to go play Frisbee. Have you ever I've never told you that story? I like the I missed a lot of school like in my freshman year. And uh, the counselor, I had to go in and go to the counselor. And the counselor says, so Randy, you're missing all these days. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm eating and playing Frisbee. And I was being totally serious. I was not trying to be flippant. And he thought I was being, a, you know, trying to be flippant to him. And then he called in my mom and said, you know, this is what your boy said. And she went, yeah, that is what he does. <laughs> <laughs> your mom was totally on board yeah she was she was like she wasn't i mean it took her some time to kind of get over the fact that i wasn't gonna go to some prep school and go to yale or harvard but when she realized that i needed to follow my own passion she understood that it was that was what was making me happy so so duck how <laughs> did you come into freestyle um well i grew up three blocks away from the band shell and I guess it was sort of the mid to late 70s and 
saw some dudes jamming in the in the band shell and was like that's the, that's it i got to do that and uh probably some combination of um uh, jeff felberbaum roger meyer um mountain um rest in peace and then later i remember uh once the meadow reopens is very right Right when it reopened, I remember watching um, Jeff and Cray work out um, to get ready for shows, and just being blown away on a, on a different level of the at the you know the the work that they were doing um, you know as a team, not not just jamming, but really getting stuff down, and what that took. I was like, oh, wow, um, and then probably in eighty. Around that time, 82, 83, I started playing a lot in uh, in the Meadow. Roger Meyer sort of took took me under his wing, mentored me, and... Uh, he did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, uh, didn't you and Willett play a lot together, too, or... I think I got... Guys have a school I think Roger connection? always tells, this, tells the story that the only reason he started playing with me because he actually thought that I was Willett at some time. So he hadn't seen Willett in a while. Willett was like in Colorado going to school. Yeah, and he saw that. somebody in the meadow and it looked like Willett. And by the time he figured out it wasn't Willett, we were already playing. And he was like, all right, whatever. Um, so I got confused for Willett. And that, I think, helped in my development. Wow. But Willett and I went to the same high school. So there's a little bit of that's what it was. Yes. And then I remember somebody did come to my come to college in the spring of 82 and did a Frisbee show. I think it was a a man and a woman in a van have no idea who they were, but they ended up throwing like some like kind of a distance demo with some sky stylers and one sky styler kind of went off into the bushes and I gobbled it up after they had left. And that was my first sky styler. I was left behind by the the traveling Frisbee team. And little did you know that you would become a traveling Frisbee team. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Comes around, goes around, man. The yep, circle was yep. completed. Yes. So when did you guys meet? I know you guys have been friends for a long time, but... How did that all happen? So we met at FPA Worlds in 88 when Randy was taking a hiatus, I think. And I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I don't even think we got introduced, but somehow we ended up jamming together for half an hour. And I think I made Randy laugh a few times. And then a couple of years later in 91 in Santa Cruz... I was about to move to Seattle with Jill. She was going to go to UW for architecture school. And somebody said, oh, um, if you're moving to Seattle, you should talk to Randy because he lives in Seattle. And I was like, okay. So I walked over to Randy and I was like, hi, I'm Doug. I'm moving to Seattle. Where should I live? And Randy said, hi, I'm Randy live near Green Lake. 
so when Jill and I were driving around, all I really said was, we have to live near Green Lake. We have to live near Green Lake. And sure enough, we ended up relatively close to Green Lake. And um, I found my my way there on a on a bike one day. And so, yeah, 91 is kind of when we started hanging out and playing a playing a bunch of frisbee and then you know you realize that that was a life-changing moment for me in regards to frisbee the frisbee scene at that time was really uh a throw me a bunch of z's and i'm gonna do a combo and you're gonna watch and then i'll throw you a bunch of z's and you're gonna do a combo and i'm gonna watch and you came with this whole different idea of how to get it going and it was that's where the mob up first came into my life so and then i found like whoa that is really where the fun is like i like doing combos but to be able to get together with a group of people and turn it into this experience was something i just blew me away and you did that thank you thank you yeah and thank you for being you <laughs> it's excuse us, excuse us jake yeah excuse us jake while we start making out so yeah sorry. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, Doug, where did you get this mob up idea from? Um, I didn't know I had that. I guess I. I think. Well, you get it where you play. So, um, I think we were doing that in in New York City. Um, I know I was playing a lot with um, Bruce and Quinn around at, at that time, and those guys were definitely into you know hooping, brushing you know, having the disc move like a, a pinball machine. I, yeah, I, I don't know exactly when that was, but, you know, even that wasn't, certainly wasn't like the the genesis of of that. I'm trying to think who was, uh, who was the driving force in terms of that kind of flowy movement game. So do you remember a transition? Was it in New York where it was like, here, I throw you a bunch of Zs, combo throw you a bunch of z's combo and do you remember the transition happening or was it always did it always feel like it was a, a sort of give and take i think it was always kind of a, a give and take at at some point i guess learn like when i first started learning it seemed like it was very important to be able to throw spin and to be able to kind of do a combo maybe there maybe there was a transition i, I can't really put my finger on it you know, I think Pat may have, Pat Rabdow may have brought some of that around as well. Um, when he came to New York, a little bit of that Colorado style Willet, I think. Those guys may have been influenced by the Coloradicals. So that's probably, I'm trying to think if that's the 80s. Yeah, I'm thinking that's the, that's the 80s. And I think in, in Washington Square, I never jammed a whole bunch in Washington Square, but I think that was part of that vibe there was, it was like the Wizards. It was a, it was a group of people doing a group thing as opposed to just, you know, kind of a more of a one-on-one thing. Yeah. I mean, there always was kind of, there was some group stuff that happened, but it definitely leaned more towards indies. And then there was a paradigm shift where now really the mob op is sort of the default place where people go when you're playing with a group of folks yeah certainly you know and and when that is working there's truly nothing like it right and then when it's not working it's kind of truly nothing like it 
yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's harder to get everybody, you know, five, six people on the same page um, than it is to get two people on the same page. That's for sure. But there yeah. are a whole lot more uh, possibilities for for greatness. That's you know that can't yeah, be like, denied. Yeah, like I say, when you came to town and and Green Lake just changed. I remember every because there was a pretty big posse that was there at Green Lake at the time. We had. I mean, there's always a good amount of players here in Seattle. There always has been, but there must have been 20 people that were kind of coming out and jamming on a regular basis, and people all just kind of embraced that. Yeah, I, I don't even, I can't say that I remember a shift or influencing anything, but I definitely remember um, co-oping, certainly, at Green Lake and um, having a blast. Green Lake, and I was reminded of, Mike Conway and Craig Burris. Totally. Yeah. They were, they were the kings of, you know, the combo off. They were mm-hmm. like Dan Swanson, crazy stuff. I mean. Yeah, the Swanson, like, 50-50 scarecrow blind, like, windjammer role, those still have me, you know, befuddled and intrigued. You kind of know what I'm talking about. Totally. It would, it would be like a flipper. His hand would just be flapping around, and the disc would be sticking to it. Yeah, like and the forearm, like, back arm. I mean, he yeah. could do it in the front of him or in the back of him, and make it go from the back of him to the front of him. It was crazy. So the first time I saw it, I thought it was an accident. I thought he just tried to catch a scarecrow and missed, and it rolled around, and he just grabbed it. And it wasn't until I saw it again that I realized he's doing that on purpose. I didn't think that was a possibility. <laughs> it was amazing to me. He had some. He had some really unique uh, approaches to his game. He was really a joy to watch. Those three guys definitely had unique approaches. Craig too. Totally. And Conway. And Conway yep. could play in a group too. He he had his role. I remember watching him um, just tip. He was very good at tipping the disc back to people. And he was like, you know, I'm getting old. I don't need to do everything all the time. And he would bump it back to people at, uh, at the right time. And that had an impact on me. And I don't know, you, you watch any kind of clip that I'm in, and I'm like bumping it back to people pretty much every other move. Yeah, Burris had a lot of disc skills, man. Totally. Real powerful. Smooth. He would do a throw where it was like a like a China syndrome yep, yep, throw. Yep. I remember that. And it was just total, just give your body up. It's going to hit the ground. Yeah. And it would have a lot of Z's too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, those were those were some good days, huh, Mr. Fresh? I, I remember jamming and then going and getting a couple beers and go sit in the, the park there where the the old nunnery used to be, and then we would carry on and move forward to the Wallingford place and barbecue up with jill and yes yeah those were those were some some good days rinse repeat no doubt no doubt wow that was really cool and uh, what a blast from the past thinking about the days at green lake and when doug and jill lived there and uh, what a joy it was to sort of reminisce about that yeah well I, I found it fascinating to learn how the whole Seattle mob-up scene came about. I, uh, I thought that you were the source for that, but it's interesting that you had inspiration. Yeah, well, you know, I think there always was some kind of mob-op, but it was really more of that 
sort of combo indie scene and then Doug showed up and just kind of it blossomed and bloomed and and actually I think that really kind of led to more mob ops even down the road in years with other groups not just Seattle so pretty oh, cool for sure in fact I'm sure that somehow I don't know how it happened but somehow that influenced our jam scene in Santa Rosa because I remember when I first started it was a lot more just doing indies and then Mike went away to a tournament and he came back and he said, you know, with these guys, when they play together, they're just, they're just passing it back and forth and seeing how long they can keep it going. And uh, that suddenly became our style. It was really cool. Yeah. And like I say, I think it's kind of become a default. You know, we interviewed Donnie Rhodes and he hadn't been to a tournament in a long time. And he even kind of says like he hadn't seen a mob before. He's like, wow, what are all those people doing? They're running into each other and stuff. So yeah. I should bet that to be pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Um, it was cool how he thought when he saw that, that is freestyle frisbee, not the competition, yes. but that. Right, right, right. Well, that's definitely where we all derive a lot of joy, um, for sure. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on shooting the Frisbees and uh, the other Frisbee guru initiatives like Haynesville and the live freestyle Frisbee stream, it'd be great if you wanted to donate and support our efforts because that is what helps us keep this going and keep the lights on. So with that, Jake, uh, I think we're out and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, it's been great talking to you, Randy. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check out our website at frisbeeguru.com. <laughs> <laughs>